Hey guys, how's everybody doing today? So glad you came to church this morning. Uh, if you're new here, if it's your first time, I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Bridge Goldsboro. So hello to you. Hello, everyone sitting in Overflow. We're glad you're here too today. Um, let me ask you a question. If, if, if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you do it? No, it's kind of a cliche. We've all heard that before. I asked a rock climber that one time, and he went, well, yeah, I'd, I'd do it. And I was like, no, not literally. Come on. We're talking about, talking about figuratively here in, in life. Um, the, the fact is, is that nobody would ever say that, that they would jump off a cliff. Nobody would ever say that they would do things in life that would be demeaning to the health of their families, health of their own lifestyle, um, in the Christian world, you know, devastating to their walk with Christ. Um, we would never say that because we know better. But what if I told you that sometimes we do, we just don't realize that we're doing it? What if the problem isn't the cliff? What if the problem is that we don't see it? What if the problem is that this cliff that we all would say we're never going to jump off, whatever that looks like in your life? What, what if sometimes we actually do tinker with it? What, what if we actually do go to the edge and kind of play? What if there's a potential in our lives to actually fall off? And the problem isn't the cliff itself necessarily. The problem is that we don't see it. We're in this series called Fake News. Uh, the Kind of the tagline is lies that we believe. So we're talking about things in society that we have chosen to believe, we've been taught to believe. And the only way to uncover a lie is knowing the truth. Uh, and so the Bible is the supreme source of truth. And so our goal in the series has been to, to gain this biblical worldview. If the Bible is the supreme source of truth, then we have to overlay that on everything in society so that we're able to have this biblical worldview so that when we're confronted with a lie, we know what the truth is. Today, we're, we're tackling this cliche, everybody's doing it, so what's, what's the big deal? What do you do when everybody around you is doing something or seems to be doing something to the point that you're thinking of doing it too? Uh, we need a filter. We, we got to have this filter because sometimes we don't see the cliff. So we got to have this filter. What, what are the filters in our lives um, that we can put in place so that we know uh, when everyone's doing stuff, because it's not the, not the cliche things that everybody does, but it's actually sometimes the things that we don't really, we, we don't really think is, is, is that bad. We rationalize because so many of the people around us are actually doing things. Let me tell you something. It, it's, the, it's the friendships in our life. The friendships in our lives are the filter that we have to have. And the reason is because friendships will always influence and they'll often determine the quality and the direction of our lives. So it's not necessarily about trying to figure out what's good, bad, right, wrong. A good filter in your life to have when this whole cliche, everyone's doing it, everybody, it's normal, which we all have the tendency to kind of to go that way. The, the filter that we have to have is prioritizing friendships in our lives so that we can see the cliff so that when it's presented to us, we don't jump off. Uh, you've probably heard some of the Bible verses associated with that. Uh, I just want to read a couple real fast. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever spends time with wise people become wise. Did your dad ever tell you that? <laughs> he was talking about him, but really he was talking about wise people in life. It says, but whoever makes friends with fools will suffer. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul's talking to, to the church. He says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I heard somebody recently paraphrase it like this. You can't soar with eagles while you're running with turkeys. Know anybody like that in your life? So if who I walk with in my life plays a huge impact in determining my outcome, if the scriptures are true, then I'd better learn to choose who my friends are very wisely. Would you agree with that? And so today, I, I want to give you three filters 
that you can use to choose your friends. Who are my friends? What, are, what, what do they look like? Who am I choosing to let in? I want to give you three filters so that we can help see this more clearly. Um, so when you, when you say, or when you're tempted to say, everyone's doing it. Now, I just want to say, you, you don't always use those words, okay? But things become normal in your life, and you're tempted to kind of, kind of lower your standards or rationalize. But, but when we're saying everyone's doing it, we know who these people are. And this is the first filter, is are these people uh, that are saying this, and I'm tempted to believe, do they share the same values that I have? When I look at people in my life, are they sharing the same values? Because your values will determine your decisions. And very, this is very easy to understand. Uh, I'll explain it like this. If you value good coffee, then I can guess very accurately how you're going to spend a good part of your morning. Am I right? Somebody say amen. Come on. Yeah, a- amen. Because, you know, God, Hebrews. You know what I mean? That's a really, don't laugh at that. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> If, all right, if, if you value, follow me, if you value looking a certain way, then you're going to decide, it's going to determine what kind of clothes you buy. It's going to determine what kind of makeup you buy. If you married somebody or you're close to somebody um, who values antiques or old things, then go ahead and invest in some storage space because they will choose <laughs> to buy things that will fill it up. Your, your decisions follow your values. You with me? Let's let's go a little bit deeper. If you value God's word, then your life decisions are going to center around what it has to say. And the healthiest relationships in your life are going to be people that share that same value. So let's talk just for a second about what godly values looks like looks like. Because we would say, well, it's church this and it's it's praying that and it's reading the Bible here. And we we talk about what constitutes a, a value of godliness, and we start doing all these things. Uh, But Psalms chapter 1, listen to what the writer says. He says, all the joy of those who do not follow evil men's advice. Bam, got it, right? Who don't hang around with sinners scoffing at the things of God. Well, that seems obvious. Yes, yes, amen. Listen to what he says here. But they delight in doing everything God wants them to. Key word there, they delight. (laughs) Forget the last part a minute in doing everything God wants. That's tasks. He says they delight in it. There's something about his heart that he's trying to tell us. And he says, in day and night, they're always meditating on his laws. They're delighting in it. They're thinking about ways to follow him more closely. You know what he's talking about right here? He's not talking about a list of rules. He's not talking about a list of tasks to do. When his word says it, it immediately it's believable in his eyes. And it's seen as truth. It doesn't matter what it says. It doesn't matter how difficult it may seem to understand. It doesn't matter if life is hard, if it's easy. If God's word says it, it's automatically believable in a heart that values him. Values, godly values. In fact, he values it so much, he thinks about God, he thinks about his word all the time, to the extent that he just sits around sometimes and just thinks of ways that he can serve him better. Godly values don't start with tasks. Godly values start with believing God. I remember as a teenager helping my uncle work in his uh, small construction business, and I was the guy that, I, I was the getter. Anybody ever been a getter on a job site? Go get this and go get that? Yeah, that, that, that was me. And it, I didn't know what we were going to do from, from weekend to weekend. Sometimes we'd be pouring concrete. Another time we'd be framing a, a, a building or putting on siding or trimming it out with vinyl, doing roof work, shingles and, and sheet metal and 
Uh, I, I never knew what we were going to be doing. Uh, and the cool part was, is all the different kinds of tools it took to work with all these different kinds of, of materials. And I didn't know what they were. I was the getter, you know, but I wanted to know. And I had all these questions. What's that for? And he'd be working. He'd tell me, all right, well, wh where's that piece going? And, you know, he'd tell me. He eventually got tired of my questions. Well, why are you using that? Why are there so many different kinds of saw blades? You know, can I shoot the nail gun? You know, questions like that. Uh, when's lunch? You know, I did very important questions. Uh, but I always wanted to know what, what was coming. And he finally looked at me one day when he had had enough. And he said, you know what? He said, if you just shut up and listen and watch, all your questions would eventually be answered. <laughs> and I, I could have gotten mad and left right then because that made me really upset when he said that. Uh, but he probably would have killed me and I needed the money. So, but here's what's interesting. Even though I didn't understand it all, I stayed because I believed that he knew what he was doing. That there was this believability in him, and, and ended up he did. The building went up. The concrete slab got poured. Everything was good. But valuing his instruction didn't start with me doing tasks and knowing answers. It started with me believing him. It started with his believability in my life. I, just, I valued him and his instruction in my life, even though I didn't get it. I valued it because he was believable to me. And when he said something, I took it to my heart. And when we choose friends that value the word of God, don't base it simply off their church activity or their religious busyness, but choose friends who believe in God's word, whether life's hard or not. Choose, choose friends that, that are going to believe God's word and value his word whenever their life is at the lowest it's been and they're tempted to go the other direction. That's, that's valuing God. Valuing God is not warming a seat cushion in a church for an hour a week. Does everybody get where I'm going with that? Valuing God's word isn't giving at one time or another. Valuing God, having the, the value of God in your life has everything to do, not with, not with doing tasks, but it has everything to do with believing in God. And you know what I found out? That, that when you believe in God and when you have that value, then the religious activity, I'm using that term loosely, it comes. When I believe in God, of course I'm going to attend church service. When I believe in God, of course I'm going to make myself a giver. But you can't judge me and my values simply based on the activity that I participate in. You judge my values based on what I believe in when it's, when it's tempting to not do those things. And when you choose friends like that, every other decision in their life will stand on that value. Here, here's another filter. First one's values. Here's another one. When you find yourself saying, well, everyone's doing this, you know, what, what's, are these people the same, have the same habits as you? Habits? Do they have the same habits as you? Uh, what are their boundaries? What are the things that they say yes to in life? What are the things that they say no to? What are their habits? Where do they go? What do they do? How do they talk? Uh, what, what do they watch? David, prominent figure in the Bible, listen to what he says in Psalms 141 concerning other people and their habits. He said, God, don't let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Don't let me eat of their delicacies. <laughs> he wasn't talking about Turkish delights, okay? He's, he's talking about something deeper here. It's kind of a dramatic way to say it, but he's saying, God, when people are doing things in life that are offensive to you, I don't want to be a part of that. He said, and I know because, of, because I'm human that when they're around and, and when they're around enough that I can easily be drawn to that. It didn't say I'm just going to immediately jump into it. He said, there's a, there's a chance I will be drawn to it. He said, and so I don't want to be drawn to that, God. He, he describes the, the habits of these people as, as delicacies that they, they participate in, like standout activities, things that they take, that they take pleasure in. 
And he said, God, I, I don't want to hang around them long enough to even be drawn to that. Let me ask you a question. What, what is it about our human nature that if we hang around something long enough, we become desensitized to our first impression of it, and we're tempted to try it once? It's true. You, you could look at something and you think, well, I'll, I'll never do that. You hang around it long enough, and it's not that you just dive right in, jump right over the cliff, but you found yourself asking yourself questions that you never thought you'd ask. I wonder what would happen if I did that. You find yourself toying with the idea of doing it. You talk yourself right back out. But like, okay, why did I even ask myself that to start with? I know that's not, that's not something I should be in. But when people with habits that don't line up with our values come into our lives and we let them in places we shouldn't let them, eventually you'll find yourself toying with the idea, what would happen if I, if I tried that? There's this delicacy. David said, I don't even want to participate in their delicacies. There's this delicacy in the Philippines called balut. And uh, one of my good friends, he actually attends this, this location, uh, is from the Philippines. And he knows this, and he actually loves this. Uh, but you're going to think it's disgusting, and I'm going to describe it to you. It, it's a mallard duck egg that has been incubated for about 18 days. Now, the, the egg hatches at 21 days. So after 18 days, it has to, has to, the embryo has to grow all the way just before it hatches. Then they pull it off the incubator. Um, then they sell it and eat it. And so you're chewing this, this egg that's kind of chewy on the outside, like a hard-boiled egg, but on the inside, you've got a whole duck embryo in there. Feathers, the beak, the claws. Yeah, they say it's really good. It's called, it's called balut. And uh, everywhere you go in the Philippines, they're, they're, they got them at all the bus stations, the sands, and you'll, you'll hear them, balut, balut. And everyone goes and pays their money for balut. And it's a delicacy. It's disgusting. That's what it is. And I've never had it, but it sounds absolutely horrifying. Uh, and in the first service, my, my good buddy was here in the first service listening, and he was screaming back there, and I think he had a couple of people on his row uh, interested in trying it. But I think he was the only one with his mouth watering, uh, and we were all disgusted. Um, he, he's an awesome guy, but I'll never do that, I, I don't think. Uh, Pastor Jim was actually a missionary to the Philippines back in the 80s, and he was telling us this, this story. And at first, he just scoffed at the idea of this, but it's so normal. It's everywhere over there. And he was like, you know what? I'll just have M&Ms. That's it. Uh, I don't want balut. I don't want it. Um, but he was around people for years, and they were trying to get him to try it, and they were trying to get him to just look at it, and, and it took him six years, six years, but eventually he said, okay, fine, I'll try some of it. He loved it. He absolutely loved it. He... <laughs> when, when other people's sinful habits become a pressure point for you, you are letting the wrong people into the wrong places in your life. Before, you, before long, you're rationalizing boundaries. It may not even happen right away. You may think you're doing good for a while, and you, you kind of let people in with these habits, and you're ministering to them after all, right? And, 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 you know, but you won't even see it coming. There is nothing in Pastor Jim that sat in his house in North Carolina and said, I am just dreaming of the day that I can behold a mallard duck embryo and eat it. That is, I, you know what? I will, I, I will never do that. There's nothing in him that said he would do it. Nothing. But when he placed himself in an environment where it was a normal activity, eventually he was willing to try it at least once. And, and that is our human nature. And the fact of the matter is you can choose friends. You can put people in your inner circle that have habits that, that are contradictory to, to, to your values. And every single time you will be tempted to try something at least once. But here's the, here's the other part of that. You can choose friends that have the same habits that you do from a biblical standpoint. 
You can, change, you, can, you can choose friends that have the values that you have that are rooted in God's word. Because you've you got to understand, when you choose friends, their habits are either going to draw you closer to God or they're going to pull you further away. And, and if I'm going to try something at least once, let, let me try something that pushes me closer to God. Because there's another side of this. Well, give me a friend that knows how to pray. Give, give me a friend uh, that knows how, how, to, how to seek God's heart. Give me a friend whose heart is set on pleasing the Lord. Give me a friend who's not perfect and fails sometimes, but when they do, they know how to fall into God's arms of mercy. That they, they know how to fall on their face before God and repent. Give me a friend that I, I, can, I can look at and say, wow, that draws me nearer to God. I want to be more like that. Give me a friend. Choose people in your life that knows how to point people to Jesus as their sole provider. Give me a friend whose habits draw me nearer to God. What do they say yes to? When you're looking at, at friends, what do they say yes to? Does it, is it something that I want to say yes to? Do, what do they say no to? Are there things that I want to say no to? Give me friends who have the same values as me. Give me friends who have the same habits that I have because I'm rooted in God's word. And when you look around and you find yourself saying, everybody's doing it, here's the, the third filter. Give me somebody who's headed in the same direction as me. You know, we're all headed in a direction. And... Sometimes when you look at people, it's obvious that they're not heading in the same direction in life you are. And it's easy to go, you know what? I'm not hanging out with them. <laughs> you know, they're just way out there. They're going in the other place. Uh, you know their lives aren't headed in the same direction. And it's very easy to say, you know what? I will say hey to you, but we are not hanging out on the weekend. <laughs> Am I right? Um, but this is where it gets tricky, too, because typically people don't admit that they're heading in the wrong direction. And if it's not obvious in their life because of their decisions... Sometimes it takes some discernment to see what kind of people these, they actually are. People don't wear their values on their sleeve. People don't always uh, have habits out in public that they have privately. And sometimes when you're out in public and you meet people or you meet people at school or at church or anywhere else, you, you don't know what kind of habits they have. And they're not going to tell you, yeah, I have the, the worst habits in the whole world. Come hang out with me. You know, or, or hey, my values really stink. Want to grow burgers? You know, they, they don't do that. And sometimes it, it takes some discernment. Uh, several years ago, I was sitting down with a church leader, and they were describing to me all of the organizational charts that they had in the church. And um, I remember listening to him talk for about 15 years, and he was describing this intricate org chart. And it was, it was pretty impressive, actually. And there were, you know, whose department is whose, and who's on what teams, and who reports to who, and where they meet, and when they meet, and how all these teams interlink together. Um, and about 15 minutes, man, this thing, it was legit. And the problem was, is I knew this church was about, I don't know, 100 people <laughs> or less. And, uh, you know, typically they say there's a percentage of people that, that are serving in church and, and certain, uh, based on how many come, how many staff you can hire and all this kind of thing. And I thought, I've been in a large church before. I've worked at a large church before. And what he just showed me outweighs completely anything I've ever seen before. How in the world? I'm thinking, how, how, how is this even possible? And so I stopped him after about 15 minutes, and I said, listen, I, I just got to ask you, are, are these departments and these positions and these, these charts, are, are people actually doing this now? Or are you saying this is where you, you want to go someday? And he said, well, and he kind of hesitated, we're not doing it now, but, you know, maybe one day we could do it. And I was like, well, okay, well, that changes completely everything, you know, where our starting point is. 
And, and that's what people do in our lives. Whenever we're, we're trying to befriend them or whether we're thinking about befriending them or we, we get in relationships with people on that, on that kind of outer surface, they put their best foot forward. They tell you I had a salad for lunch, and you know what you hear? I'm a healthy eater. And they've had a salad one time in the last eight months. Yeah. They, they tell you I gave a donation to the homeless shelter. Yeah, we gave to that, that homeless shelter. And what do you hear them say? They're givers. Wow, they value the biblical mandate that God said to be generous. And they gave one time in the last year, and they regretted it in real life. You know, they, they come to church twice a year maybe. And when you ask them where they go to church, they say, oh, I go to the bridge. I love, I love the bridge. But they've been twice. And what do you hear them say? You, what you hear them say is they value the, the, the gathering together of the believers and going to church. Um, but that's not the direction that their lives are headed at all. And don't choose friends based on an act. Don't choose friends based on some religious activity. But choose friends that are headed in the same direction as you because their values are the same values that you have of following God because we love Him. And when we do that, then every other decision, all of my habits, uh, all the direction of my life is going to be headed in a way that God wants me to go. It doesn't mean that everyone has to be perfect, but it means that I start with a relationship with God that propels me forward into the values, into the belief systems, into the habits, and into the direction that God ultimately wants me to go. Never mistake godly values, godly direction, or godly habits for church activity. Don't do it. It, it, it never starts with tasks it never starts with doing things. It starts with belief. And so the direction of somebody's life can be very tricky if you just simply gauge who they are based on an action that they do at one time or another. But ask yourself a deeper question than that. Where is their life headed? I mean, don't ask somebody that when you first meet them. That's just weird. Where's your life headed right now? You know, dude, I just want to go to Andy's. Chill, you know. But you're kind of taking a, an inventory, you know, you're meeting, you're talking. You're not going to ask that. You're not going to be weird. But you ever heard of the, the DTR conversation? At some point, you're going to have to define the relationship. What are we? <laughs> and, and that's when you're going to start to kind of think through this kind of stuff. Where, where is their life headed? Where is their life headed relationally? Where is their life headed spiritually? Where, where is, what direction are they going in? Because everybody is headed in a direction. And some people are headed in the right direction, and other people are headed towards ditches. And that's just a fact. Proverbs 27, 12 says that when a wise person sees danger ahead, he avoids it. He knows and he sees it and he's able to avoid it. But a foolish person keeps going and gets into trouble. And we look at that and we all say, well, I'm a wise person. You know, I can have people in my life and there's maybe some danger ahead, but I can hang around these people and, and not be swayed. We've all said that because I feel like I'm a spiritual person. I feel like I'm, I'm good. Listen, let me tell you something. When, when you let somebody ride in your car long enough, you'll eventually run errands for them. You, you will, and you'll, you'll go places you didn't necessarily want to go. You'll stay way longer than you thought you would ever have to stay. Um, your proximity to people in life will often dictate a directional change, and you have to ask yourself, is this a direction that I'm willing to go? Is this a direction in life that lines up with my values and lines up with my habits? Because if it's not, then you need to get out of my car. <laughs> you know, don't, I'm not running errands for you. Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not going in that direction in life. And while I might hang around you a little, I'm going to keep you at arm's length when it comes to, to my inner circle. And that might sound rude. I wouldn't suggest necessarily saying that unless someone's just completely just won't leave you alone about it. 
But you got to have that DTR conversation sometimes. What are we? Let's define the relationship. And hopefully it's a conversation you can have with yourself. You know, I'm just, I'm going to say no to those things. There's a quote Craig Crochelle said. He said, it's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It's impossible to live the right kind of life when you have the wrong kind of friends. And so for this message, we've been talking about you got to have filters for your friends. Do they have the same values that I have? Do they have the same habits that I have? Are, are they headed in the same direction I'm headed in? And we hear this and we're like, well, well, hold on a minute, Pastor Ryan. Are you saying that, that I'm not allowed to have friends that aren't saved? Or I'm not allowed to have friends that don't believe in Jesus? I mean, didn't Jesus go into these places? And didn't Jesus, you know, reach out to people who were lost and people with bad habits? Yeah, I'm saying that. And I'm not saying that you can't associate with people like that. And I'm definitely not saying that you ostracize them from your life. You just need to understand how to prioritize your relationships. And I need to understand how to prioritize my relationships. And we have to understand together as believers how to reach lost people without becoming lost ourselves. Because again, it's not about that, about the cliff. It's about our ability to see it. And if we can see it, we can avoid it. And the way we see it is by having the right filters in place. There's this, this graphic that I, I wanted to show you. It's, just, it's a picture, but it kind of illustrates this point well. Um, it's going to be on the screen. And, and this, there's this circle, and there's two circles there. Do you see the outer circle? That whole outer circle is everyone that you're associated with in life. It encompasses everybody. People who are lost, saved, believe in Jesus, don't believe, people who are seeking. It just incorporates everybody, your family, your friends, your coworkers. And these are all people that you touch in life. Maybe they're people that God wants to bring into your life at some point, but it's, it's, it's a big circle, and you know who all is in that circle. But if you look at the very inner circle, there, there's a smaller one in the middle, and that's called the circle of influence. And you got to be real careful about who you let in there because these are people that want to speak into your life. These are people that you want speaking into your life. These are people that will inform decisions that you make, holding you accountable. These are people that will pray for you. These are people that will, will change the direction of your life. And within that circle of influence, you want people there that have the same values, that have the same habits, and that are moving in the same direction in life. Not just anybody gets to be in your circle of influence. So you want to make sure the people that you have there are people that are going to have those filters in, in, in the, uh, have those filters, and, and that they're going to be able to point you in the right direction. And we've talked about them today. That outer circle, that, that's everybody else that you touch in life and everyone that touches you. That's called the circle of concern. Your life still touches them. You, you still love them. You're still concerned about them. Uh, you, you're you know, you're going to share the love of Jesus with them, but you're not going to let them speak into your life. You're, you're not going to hang around them to the point that their habits become your habits, that their values start to rub off on you and you find yourself asking that question you never thought you'd ask. Well, what if I did? Th these are people that don't have the same direction in life as you. There's a, a friend I have um, named Matt. He's a God-fearing man. He shares the same values that I share uh, he has most of the same habits I have, the good ones, right, um, in terms of the Bible. Uh, but he also is moving in the same direction as life as me. And, and we're, he's a God-fearing man. He's a Christian. And if I have a big decision to make in life, I, I have no problem letting Matt talk to me about that. In fact, I want his input. He, he's moving in the same direction in life. He's in my circle of influence. When he speaks, I listen. On the other hand, I've got a guy who lives down the road from me, uh, a couple miles or so, 
um, and I've known him for a couple years. He doesn't follow Jesus. His habits don't line up with mine. His values don't line up with mine. In fact, he's heading in a completely different direction in life than I'm heading in. Um, but we talk regularly. God put him in my life. I know he's within that, that big circle. His life touches mine and mine his. And I know that God put him in my life for a reason. And I don't, I don't necessarily talk to him about coming to church all the time. That's not how I'm wired. If the time comes, I have had that conversation with him. Um, but I, I help him sometimes. And that's, that's, my, that's my role in his life right now. I'm not going to listen to him talk to me about relationships. I'm not going to let him influence big decisions in my life. He's not in my circle of influence. He's in my circle of concern. I mean, he, he's somebody that God has put in my life, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to hang out every weekend. But he's somebody that my life touches, and therefore he's somebody that I, I value. He's in my circle of concern. And I've, I'm always looking for ways to develop the relationship in terms of me influencing his life for Christ. Um, but he's not in that middle circle. He's, he's not somebody that, that's going to speak into my life. I asked you at the beginning of all this, when everyone around you seems to be doing a certain thing to the point that you find yourself asking yourself, could I, would I, should I, what if I did those things too? You need to find out all those everyone's, all those everybody's that you're talking about. Are those people that are in your circle of influence or are those people that are in your circle of concern? Proverbs 14, 8 says, the wisdom of the wise keeps life on track, but foolishness of fools lands them in the ditch. Are these everybody's that we're talking about? Are these everybody's that are headed towards life? Or are these everybody's doing it? Or are these people that are headed for a ditch? Are, are they people in my circle of influence? Or are they in my circle of concern? Because you're going to have people at times in your life who don't have the same values as you, who don't have the same direction in life or the same habits. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you abandon them. Please hear me. But it means they're in, their, in your circle of concern. We, we never abandon people that our lives touches. You know why? Because sometimes those people in our circle of concern, they're our own family. Sometimes they're our brothers or our sisters or our parents even, or people that we just love, people that maybe we grew up with, that we still have connection to. You can keep them in your circle of concern. You, you can pray for them. You can touch them but you got to be very careful about those filters in that, in that circle of influence. It, it, what it means is that we prioritize their place in our lives as it relates to influence. Are, I'm going to say it again. Are they in our circle of influence or are they in our circle of concern? I think this kind of really helps us balance the whole do what Jesus did and go into the bars and go into the parties, go into the places, or do I kind of back off and let my life touch that, but not let those people in my life to the point where they start to influence me? Jesus said it best. He actually prayed for us long ago. The Bible records the prayer, and th this was Jesus' heart concerning this. He said, God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm not asking you to just completely isolate them way over here, but I'm asking that you keep them safe from the evil one who's trying to destroy them. They don't belong to the world. The same as I don't belong to the world. He said, but make them ready for your service through your truth. He's saying, you don't, you don't belong to this world in a way that you should have everyone and, every, and everybody influencing the way you think and act. You don't belong to that. You're supposed to be set apart, doing something that I have for you to do. You, you're set apart. He's saying, but I want you to be in this world and make yourself ready for service through truth. 
And we're able to do that effectively when we understand who's in our circle of influence and who is in our circle of concern. Jesus didn't expect us to isolate ourselves, to never be around bad influences. But he prayed that we would understand that we don't belong to that, but that we would operate within the world through his truth. So I just want to ask you to respond for just a second, because we, we've talked about this. We've I've told you this. You've thought about this a long time before I ever said anything about it. But I just want you to ask yourself the question, who, who is in my circle of influence that doesn't need to be there? Who have I allowed to come into my circle of influence by, by the proximity to the, their own lives as mine, by hanging out with them uh, more than I probably should, by listening to their advice and actually wondering if I should do it? Who is in my circle of influence that needs to be moved to the circle of concern? And maybe you're at a place where there are some people that are in that circle of concern, meaning that your life touches them, but they actually need to be in your circle of influence. That there are people in your life that you would say that I have, I've kind of pushed to the side because I don't necessarily want to hear that right now in my life. Maybe one day, but not right now. But you're here today and you're thinking, you know what? There, there are people that I've kind of shoved off that I really need to have in my, in my circle of influence. There are people in my life that I know would benefit me if I had them closer to me. There are godly men and women, godly friends. There are godly siblings or family members that I know I need to have closer to me than I do. I need to surround myself with these people and put them back in my circle of influence. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to have those conversations just a week. Maybe it's not a conversation you need to have because it's, they're not that close to you, but they're right there with you and, and you just need to stop hanging out with them. But I wonder if you'd be bold enough to do that this week. I, I wonder this, and I'm, I'm very real, I'm very loving, but I also wanna always tell you the truth in that same love. I wonder today if, if you are in somebody's circle of concern. I wonder today if, if, if somebody's praying for you. I wonder if, if maybe your habits and your values and the direction of your life is actually having a negative influence on somebody else. Maybe your kids, maybe your friends, maybe people that you're close to that, that, that you know what, you need to change your habits. You need to change your life direction. I, I want you to know that it, it's not undoable. I, mean, I, I don't care if, if you've made a complete mess of your life or you just feel like you need to tweak some things. God is available to you. And God's saying right now, I, I want you. you. The whole church, matter of fact, the Bible said that people would know that we are his church by the love we have for each other. You know what he described there? A healthy relationship that's building one another up. And so if you're a believer today, that's, that's the goal for us is to always be shaping one another and helping each other. The Bible says we're supposed to be spurring one another on towards love and towards good works. And so I just wanna be that for you today. I wanna be that, that bold pastor that stands here flat-footed and says, is there things in your life that you need to tweak? Don't try to do it yourself, let God help. And so I just wanna ask you as we stand together and, and we get ready to pray, who are these people in your life that you need to move from one place to another? And are there areas in your life that you know that you need to give to God? Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never given your life to God. And that's, that's the big decision that's kind of weighing on your heart today. I just, I wanna tell you this. Right now, we're not talking about earthly uh, solutions. Right now, we're talking about a solution that Jesus accomplished for you about 2,000 years ago. And before we talk about your earthly problem, we need to talk about your eternal problem. And that is you don't know where you'd be spending eternity if something were to happen to you right now.
Jesus didn't just die for you to be successful here on this, this planet. He died so that you could be with him forever. And before he can ever talk about, before he ever even wants to help you here and your, your problems here, he wants to make sure that whenever you leave here, you're going to be with him forever, that you'll be healed forever, that you'll be in relationship with him forever, that you'll forever be in joy, forever be in peace. All the things that we want here, God wants that for you forever. And so he always addresses that first. And that's a spiritual implication. That, that is a change of your heart that he accomplished long ago and paid an awfully big price for us to be able to have for free. It just takes choosing him. And so as I pray today, if that's you, uh, our prayer team's going to come right now. And if, if that's you, I, I, want you to, I want you, if you feel comfortable, just come up here. And, and I say if you feel comfortable, maybe even if you don't, maybe even if you're white knuckle in the back of the chairs right now and you're just like, I don't want to do that. I want to tell you, that's, that's God pulling at your heart. That's not me. But I want you to know that we have some people here that, that love you, that want to encourage you because they know the same God that we're preaching to you right now. And they have that same love inside of them. Maybe you have another need and you want someone to help pray. I want you to know we're available today. But even much more than that, God's interested in your heart changing. You can do that at your seat if you want. But I just want to say a prayer. And as I pray, if, if you're somebody that needs to, to move some friends around, <laughs> if you need to move you around, or if you need to accept Jesus for the first time today and let him be your Lord, you can make those decisions today. Can we pray together? Lord, we've talked about you an awful lot today. We just want to talk to you for a minute all of the people in this room and all the people in overflow and everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice right now, we all have a life and that life is laced with people all around us. And God, some of us need to make some decisions as to how much influence we're gonna let those people have in our lives. Not because we don't like them, not because we wanna be mean, but Lord, because we wanna be successful in you first. Lord, we, we don't want to go down these paths that, that lead us to eventually jumping off this, this cliff in life and we don't ever see it coming. God, but more so than that, we want to please you. We want to delight in you. We, we want you to know we love you. We want to believe in you before we ever accomplish the first spiritual or religious task. Father, we, we want to believe in you and know that, that, that you know that we're, you, you're pleased with us and that you know that we want you to be pleased with us. There's just this longing in our hearts. So I pray that first. Lord, I pray for some courage in, in us, Lord, as we have these conversations with, with friends. Lord, as we make decisions to pull back or pull others close. Lord, even the, the, the people in, in life, God, that, that, that we know that we're influencing in a bad way and, and we need to make some decisions to be better for them. These things take, take courage and boldness. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would that you would put boldness in us. Lord, you told Joshua in the Old Testament before they took a land that was too big for them, before they took a, down armies that were too big for them, you didn't say, you know, get your sword sharp. You didn't say, you know, make sure your tanks are ready. <laughs> what you said is be bold and courageous. Be strong. I'm with you. And I pray, God, that that would, as we walk out into this battlefield called life, I pray that that word would go down deep into us. Be strong and be courageous because you are with us. Lord, the, the people in the room today in Overflow who are listening to this, God, that they need to make a life change for you, period. They, they don't know where they'd spend eternity. Lord, that's, that's still up in the air. And church, if, if, if that's you, I, I want you to be bold enough to make this decision today. It's, it's, it's got to be your choice. But I want you to know God's calling you today. 
not just us as a collective group. God knows your name. He made you. He knows you personally. He knows the situation of your life right now. He knows the path that has led you all the way to this moment right now. And what he's saying is that he's giving you a divine opportunity, a divine moment right now where he's speaking into your heart and into your life. And he's saying, I love you. I died for you. I know that you sinned. I know that you've been disobedient at times, but that's the human race. And I paid an awfully big price for the human race, but I paid a price for you. And if you were the only one, I still would have done it. I love you, choose me. And so God, right now we just, we say, we choose you. If that's you, wherever you are, just tell God right now, I, I choose you. Lord, I, I know you died for me. I know you paid that price for me. And I choose to believe that. And I want my actions to follow my beliefs, not religious activity, not you know, busyness in the church. I choose to believe you. I choose to love you. Love is an action. I, I choose to put my, my life in your hands and let you lead. And Lord, out of that, I, I know I'm going to hit every mark I'm supposed to hit. I, I don't know all the answers. I, I might even have trouble reading the Bible or even understanding what it's all about. But I know that as I look into it, you're going to let me understand enough of it to keep me out of hell. <laughs> I know you're going to let me understand enough of it to live this life in a way that honors you. And so, so what I choose to do is just wake up every day saying, you're my Lord. I know you died for me. I know you raised to life for me. You spilled your blood for me. I couldn't do it myself. And I know I have a place in heaven. While I'm still walking on this planet, life's not perfect, God, but I, I trust you to help me in every area of my life. Be true to your word, God. And I'm gonna be true to mine. I'm gonna give you my life. And I trust you with the results. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, the one that died for me and makes me worthy in your eyes, Heavenly Father. Amen.